There you are. Hi. Welcome. Can you hear it when I swallow like that? It grosses me out when I hear it, like when I'm doing my editing. Like, And I'm going to listen to this back, and so it's going to gross me out. Dude, I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry for this whole opening introduction thing. It's been terrible. Dude, welcome to another episode of Digging Holes with Dusty Tunnel. I am Dusty Tunnel, and in a few days, like six days, I potentially... I'm going to be the brand new owner of an ambulance. What? Isn't that crazy? I'm buying an ambulance and I'm going to turn it into a camper. And that way, when I drive up to Orange County or LA or go different places, I don't have to buy to get a hotel. I just take my ambulance camper and then I've got like a home on wheels and then I sleep in it. And I think what I, I don't know. I've got all kinds of plans, but I think I'm going to turn into a little podcast studio type thing too. So uh, lots of plans for it. Um, and uh, once it all happens, I'll start posting some stuff on social media to show you the progress. Um, failures. Lots of failures to come. Um, hopefully I have all of my fingers at the end of the conversion. Um, the transition, my ambulance will be transitioning. Please don't assume it's vehicle type. It is not commercial. It is recreational. And your assumption makes you an asshole. If you thought it was for transporting patients, then why don't you go to hell, you bigot? I don't know. I am excited about that. Um, and I've got a lot of comedy coming up, too. I'm doing the Orange County Comedy Festival starting, well, it was supposed to start today, Monday, the whatever today is, uh, the 18th, I think. Um, but, you know, not upset. Not going to be upset. Tonight is actually what I'm scheduled for the the contest portion of the festival. And um, the original email I got uh, said that I was not performing at all Monday, so I did not make any arrangements for work. And then come to find out tonight is the night I'm supposed to be doing the contest portion. And I work until 10.30 p.m. The contest is at 8 p.m. in uh, Orange County somewhere. I think the Amazing Comedy Theater. And so that makes it impossible to get there. I cannot call out sick. I know some of you are like, oh, call out sick, go. And that's not a possibility this time. So... A little disappointed about that, but that's okay. Uh, I will be performing five other days this week on it, though. Uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And uh, I posted all the dates and venues on my Facebook and on my Instagram, so you can check that out and go if you would like. Um, tickets to all of them are super cheap. I think it's $10 a show. So if you want to pick one and go, freaking do it, dude. Um I think probably the best one, the easiest one for you since it's a weekend, and I think it'll be the one that's got the biggest, fullest audience will probably be Saturday, 7 p.m. at the Amazing Comedy Theater, but I don't know, check them all out, and if you're in, in the area, come come grab a laugh, a laughter. Let's get on to this, uh, this episode. This episode is with my very good friend, Louis Santani. 
Um, he is somebody who I've gotten to know pretty well recently because we were in the Portland Comedy Festival together. We were the two comedians from San Diego, and um, so that commonality brought us together. We did a lot of hanging out, a lot of talking, got to know him really well, and since then I've uh, I've considered him a very good friend. We've only become better friends since then, and um, I was happy to sit down and have a good conversation with him. I sort of screwed up because I hadn't, I hadn't really used my mobile setup. I went and did it at his house. Um, I hadn't used it in a while, so I left the mics a little hotter than they should should have been. So you'll notice the sound is just a tiny bit distorted. It's not terrible, but it's not. You know, I could do better, but it's, you know, it's me. What do you expect? Perfection. Expect per- perfection from. For me? Dude, I'm perfect at being imperfect. So you can take that to the bank, dude. Um, but yeah, this is a really good episode. Uh, oh, it's actually with Louis Santani and his dog, Dougie. Dougie gets on the episode a little bit. Does a little talking. Uh, he's he's a cool dog. He's a great Dane, uh, which is it's kind of like an okay Dane, but better. And... Um, and uh, he he's great. So, uh, without further ado, this is Louis Santani and Dougie. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually recording now. Oh, okay. Yeah, I have no format. Um, usually I just go, um, so what, uh, what made you get into comp, but we don't have to get into that yet. Let's talk about your new house. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's, hold on. Let's interview Dougie. <laughs> He's distracted by the microphone. He wants to eat it. <laughs> Dougie the Great Dane is, uh, is also a guest on this, uh, episode. <laughs> you can't bite the whole thing, Dougie. Talk into it, dude. Yeah. Breathe. Breathe a little bit. Okay. Go go play with your toys. And uh, and maybe if a if somebody walks by the house at a safe distance you can scare the hell out of them for us. <laughs> what do you say? Is that your favorite thing to do? Good boy. Well if uh if you're wanting to manage a comedy career and family and stuff, this is a good way to like start with yeah. a, a high maintenance dog. No, he's um I so I got I got him a couple years ago because I was just kind of ready to love something else outside of my own life. And um, I kind of had this image for, I did a lot of research, picked out the right kind of dog, you know, I got a dog that was good in small spaces despite his size. I wanted a bigger dog, just, you know, like guard dog too. But uh, ultimately I had this whole idea of what I would, my life would look like. I'd have this dog who would be able to come out with me to dog parks and to bars and we'd be like buddies and... And then I got this nervous dog, <laughs> and and I can't take him anywhere. <laughs> and so I try. I mean, I'll take him places, but I gotta hold on to the leash because um he, he like he bit some guy the first month that I had him. Oh no way. Um yeah, and so um he he, he literally bit a a public defender, a lawyer. Oh shit. And uh, it, was, it was it was I was scared. I thought like, well, there goes <laughs> there goes my uh, five hundred dollars and my rescue dog. <laughs> But the guy was actually really understanding, and I just paid for the damage to his clothes, and thankfully he didn't have any... It was just one bite. It wasn't like a serious injury. 
And he's actually been cool, and now he, he's friends with Dougie. Oh, and really? Yeah, yeah, we've maintained contact. Um, he's a really nice guy. And Dougie, uh, he doesn't, he's better with people now, as you could tell. He calmed down around you pretty quick. Yeah. But um, that took a long time, a lot of training, and <laughs> and he's still not very good with dogs. He wants to eat every dog he sees. Aw. We're working, though, right, Doug? Yeah. He seems he seems really sweet. What's, what's his backstory, do you know? He was just left at the rescue shelter. Like, oh, really? The guy didn't know anything about him. And actually, it's funny because there were four dogs that were there when I went to pick out a dog. And I picked out this uh, four-year-old Great Dane named Molly. And she was super sweet and, and, and uh, probably would have been the exact dog I wanted. But um, Dougie was the only one of the four that I was like, no way. Because I got there and he was really mean to me. He growled at me. He wouldn't let me come near him. Um, and then the next time I went, um, my uh, the, the, the gal that I was, she was one of my uh, super close friends. And we were kind of seeing each other at the time. She came with me the second time. And the moment she laid eyes on Dougie, she's like, he's the best looking one. You can train him. You can do this. And, uh, you know, I believed her. Um, so, <laughs> so that's how I got Dougie. Was it a Great Dane rescue? It was a Great Dane rescue. Oh. Yeah, I, I knew what breed I wanted. Um, that's cool. I had had a, a Great Dane with um, a partner before. It was, it was her dog. But um, we were together long enough where he basically became mine, too. So I knew I wanted another one. They're just, they're very... He just lays on that chair all day and sleeps. Yeah. And so it's nice kind of chilling with him. But yeah, he's uh you don't have to like take him to the dog park and run him till he's tired or anything like that. I give him two walks a day. We go downtown uh for about a 20 minute walk in the morning and then a half hour at night and um he loves getting his sniffs in and and peeing on other dogs pee and <laughs> doing his thing and then Good uh boy. and then he just sits here and growls at the world for the rest of the day. Oh, uh, that's cool. Yeah, that's kind of a when I had my dog, um, I got an English bulldog, and it was kind of the same reasons. Was like I didn't want to have to, like, I, I didn't want a dog with so much energy that I had to like spend hours to run him. getting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I hear. Um, but he, it, it can be t- like you see my. So uh, this is what you always want to do on a podcast: is point to something in the room that nobody can see. Uh huh. Yeah. So you see my screen door, how it's ruined from halfway point down. Yeah. Like it's just an open thing. He did that. <laughs> like he destroys a lot of things um and now well, he, he, he can stick his it so now he can put his head, <laughs> put his his head, head through <laughs> on halloween he was just scaring the living hell out of every little kid that came up to get candy because he'd run to the door and stick his head out <laughs> and the kids would run down the stairs uh, I was like, who needs a haunted house when you got this guy yeah hound of the baskervilles did you put um a costume on him he could have been a cow no i dressed him as the stay puff marshmallow man <laughs> from the ghostbusters <laughs> he kind of i mean because he's it was just a hat and a little scarf he looked a little bit like like a nurse, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but you know if you know Ghostbusters, you knew. Yeah, that's cool, man. I'm uh glad that you have something to love besides yourself. Yeah, he's he's taught me a lot about patience and a lot about imperfection, and a lot about um my own imperfections and uh and I'm not saying that in a cheesy way. Like he like he makes me realize that like come on, man, have patience with this guy and have patience with yourself and with other people. Yeah. Um, he's made me a more reasonable human. Yeah, yeah. You know, I th- I'd say that my dog d- did a lot of that for me too, and I only had her for like three years. Yeah. When she got the cancer, and got she probably had it when I got her, to be honest. Oh, man, but, yeah. Uh, That's no good. But she was she was a mess, and um, like you couldn't, if you put anything soft like that rug yeah. that you have down there, yeah. she would have immediately walked over and peed on it. Oh. Like <laughs> anything soft on the ground. So it, she took a, it took a lot of training um, and uh, and a lot of patience, yeah. It, but 
I don't know. It made, yeah, it made me a better person. I well, think. I got lucky with those little things. He never peed on anything in the house. He's never done any of that. It's just the he destroys bigger things <laughs> that cost a lot more money. <laughs> um, and like so, at my first place that I had him, he destroyed the front door completely. Just completely shredded the wood. And the only reason I didn't have to pay for it is because they were remodeling the place completely after I moved out. Uh, so the guy was like, I guess we'll give you back your deposit because we were going <laughs> to get rid of the door. <laughs> so he just, he's destroyed a lot of big things. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm working with him and, and I'm patient and, yeah. uh, and we're getting there. Yeah. He seems like a good boy. <laughs> yeah. He's chilling now. Um, so you want to, you want a family eventually, huh? I think so. I, I don't know. Um, I don't know if I want like a whole family, like kids and everything. Maybe but I want, I'll, but at least a wife. I want a partner. I don't know about wife even, but partner. Like oh, I, yeah. I look at. I'm just surrounded by people who are in really good relationships, mm. and I know that like as comedians, sometimes we, <laughs> we we aren't. <laughs> and so actually not. Yeah. I think you know the craft comes before the side stuff, and I just I entered comedy at a different stage of my life where you know I'd already had a career, two careers. Um, and, and this is a passion and I love it. And of course I want to pursue it and, and get better, but I, I don't want to do it at the cost of my entire life. Mm. Like I, I want to live the whole human experience, man. By the yeah. time, by the time I'm on my deathbed, I want to be like, I did a lot, I did a lot of stuff, you know, and, and marrying someone or just being with somebody long-term having a family, uh, that seems like something that I would probably look back on and regret if I didn't give it a chance. Now that doesn't mean I'm going to force it. Um, but you know, I've, I've Every now and then you meet somebody where you start seeing them and you're like, this this has potential. And uh, you get in that state where, you know, it's, it doesn't scare you as much. Yeah. Do you do um, the dating apps and stuff? No, no, not anymore. I, uh, I don't like them because I feel like it's an artificial way to engage with people. And so it's hard for, like, how do you authentically meet? someone and maybe people are doing this better than me um <laughs> but like it's like i have to be like witty and cool in my profile and then in my messages and i'm like i guess i'm just not that witty or cool right but uh, like um i think i am but uh but it i, I must not be because i never go on dates but i always think that uh that i'm like pretty funny like i think my uh profile is um I have an in-unit washer and dryer, so yeah, I'd say I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, see, okay, so, and here's the other thing is I've met women off of them before. I've met really nice women off of them, mm-hmm. um, and and so no no, no shade on all of them. I actually had a couple of good relationships when I was younger off of, like, okay Cupid was when it first came out. I thought it was a pretty good one, um, but I think what ends up happening is if you are impressive to them, then you kind of, like, feel like you have to stay impressive. Yeah. Like, in true. person, you're like, oh, I... Can can we can we do this over messenger and can I delete if I don't like what I'm about to send? Yeah, and yeah. I'm just I don't know. Uh, yeah, I get what you're saying. I kind of feel the same way about like uh, when people find out you do comedy. It's like all of a sudden people expect you to like be funny all the time. I'm like, dude, I'm a normal person. Yeah, I just do normal things most of the time. I've actually found I finally found a response that gets usually gets a chuckle and and stops that line of questioning where people say you do you do comedy uh do, can you tell me a joke and i i just say that's not how it works <laughs> and and usually they stop asking <laughs> just shut it down right away i kind of like that yeah. yeah um yeah i usually uh whatever like whatever um th- the person who's asking me like I, if i know what their job is i ask them if they can do that for free yeah and then um 
that's kind of my go-to thing. Yeah, or or you know the people that always want to give you oh, this. You put this in your act. You should put this in your yeah. set. It's it's like go to a mathematician and tell them what they should do. Right. <laughs> like yeah. here, I don't. I know nothing about your field too, but yeah. this will work. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, you can use that if you want. No. I don't want to. So I, I'm lucky. I don't have too many people in my life that do that. I have a couple of family members who occasionally will, but I think they do it facetious. I think they know. That it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I'm okay with that. If, yeah, if yeah. I'm saying it like a joke. Yeah, like, hey, you can use that if you want to. I don't know, sarcastically. Yeah. Um, yeah. What were we talking about? Dating. Uh, so how do you meet people? How'd you meet this most recent girl? Um, so the girl that I've been spending time with right now, um, met her at a wedding. Super, oh. old, super old-fashioned way. Um, yeah. yeah, that's my, a good way to do it, actually. My best friend got married, and uh, we were literally the only two single people at the wedding, and... Um, and it was really weird because I was I was literally so I had just just broken up with somebody two days before the wedding. Like I had a plus one that that was blank basically, uh. and so I was I was pretty devastated at the wedding. <laughs> uh, my my buddy, I'm like trying to keep it together as I'm seeing all these happy people, and uh, at one point I like started crying. He's like, Are "You okay?" I'm like, "I gotta leave." Oh, yeah. Um, and so I, you know, I was going to leave. I was just not, so, <laughs> was it because it was a bad breakup or you were just, no, I was just, I really, I was really, uh, I was really into it. I, it was, uh, it, was okay. a, it was a great relationship and, um, she's a great person and, uh, I, I was very, uh, surprised by it. It was, it was kind of a, one of those blindside ones. Oh uh, yeah. And then to be um, at a wedding too. Like, right. Yeah. And it was just real soon after. Yeah, yeah. Got so, it. so anyways, I, uh, I was about to leave and then I walked back in and I just, to say bye to people. And somebody asked me how I knew the groom, and I told a weird story that mentioned a really weird band that nobody's ever heard of called Grand Old Party. And this girl was just standing right there, and she was like, how do you know Grand Old Party? And we both knew the band, and it sparked a little conversation. We we uh, talked music, talked life, danced, um, just had the best time together. And uh, yeah, got her, got her number, and I was like, hey, I told her straight up like pretty much i think the next day i was like i am i just broke up with somebody and i'm not in a good mental state but you're really nice and uh if you just want to hang out as friends and kind of see what see what happens and that was two months ago and we're still hanging out and it's not serious but but we like each other and it's fun cool that's yeah. a good place to be yeah yeah i um i, ca- I had something kind of like that for a short stint and then um I don't know. I think uh, I think I'm on the other end of the spectrum where I'm actually sacrificing that stuff for comedy. And I think like we're all in different spots. And yeah, I don't, I don't think there's one way is right or wrong. Yeah, like I just and, and and frankly, when I first got going in comedy, I was not interested in a relationship um, because I it had been so long since I had even like like considered one. Uh, that comedy sounded like a better relationship. I was like, oh, I can, uh, you know, you had full control, you know, to an extent over what you're going to say and yeah, for sure, what yeah. nights you go out. But uh, I don't know, man. It's, um, I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's something that needs to be rushed either. Um, mm-hmm. Frankly, the, 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 the getting me in this mood of thinking that I was looking for a relationship was totally by chance. The, um, you know, there, there's only been these two, uh, women that I've really um, dated since I've done comedy, and um, one of the, the first one, the one who uh, was, was the sad breakup. Honestly, she just s- social media saw that I had a show near her neighborhood. We'd known each other from high school, and she just kind of we we dated about eight years ago, and she was just like, "Hey, uh, you know, wanna wanna get together?" And we just hit it off, and it was just it was really fun. And I didn't know I wanted a relationship. I, I thought she just you know wanted to get a drink, and maybe she thought that too. Um, and we connected and it was great. And that 
kind of sort of started putting me back on that path, I guess. Yeah. Because I saw how good it could feel to like be connected with somebody. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, man, that would be cool as long as uh, I would I would like that as long as they were understanding enough to let me like. Do you know like Ty Shelton? Yeah, yeah, Ty. Like I love when Ty. he t- when he talks about his uh, his relationship, he's just like uh, his. It sounds like his his girlfriend is just so understanding of like. He's just gonna be gone, yeah. like a lot, yeah. and she's cool with it. Yeah, and um, they've probably been together a long time or something. But like, but I, I feel like that's a really hard thing to um, ask of somebody when you first, when you're trying to trying to get into dating. You know, yeah, it's like, I, hey, I, I do want to date, but we're only gonna see each other like an hour a week. So, and I think when people like you, they're prone to say that's fine. But then as time goes on, there. So Ty's lucky that he found somebody who. Um, is not only uh, says she's okay with it, but is okay with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm. I don't. I don't think I have run into um, situations with the two uh, women that I've mentioned. That I think they were both super understanding of like because I I do when I care about people, friends, relationships, whatever. Uh, like, tell me you want to hang out. I'll make time. I'll I'll put aside a night of comedy for for a good friend. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when it comes down to it, like when I'm in my darkest days and I'm sitting uh, depressed, sad, because I you know I get there too. Um, I, comedy doesn't get me out of it. Um, no, that's true. Well, I, guess I, I write better comedy in it, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, that's actually true. Sometimes <laughs> I got to just step back and, and go for a walk with one of my best friends, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I try to provide that for them too when mm-hmm. they need it. So. Yeah. Um, I'm starting to get that with some of my friends that I've met in comedy actually. So, yeah. uh, part of what would, what brings me out is um, not so much the, although the performing comedy does help, I think, mm-hmm. but um, the I've met some people I really like and just being around them in comedy yeah. uh, kind of helps lift my spirits sometimes. So. No, I, I and I think um, it was easy at first to feel like this was a journey that I was on alone next to people, but I, I, dude, when we were in Portland together, like that, 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 great. that yeah. entire trip just felt like we were um, getting support from people around us. Like it was like mm-hmm. it, we're in the weight room with a bunch of spotters, basically. Yeah. And so, I mean, I got to know you better. And then so many of those comics from L.A., San Francisco, Portland area, um, even Tamar, who won the whole thing, mm-hmm. is like the nicest man. Dude, and he, is, he's, yeah. he just sat and gave advice. And like I, I listened to him and, and took it to heart. And he's just so funny and genuine. And so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you right now. I'm like, um, I'm... You know, I, I think I mentioned it to uh, if we're if we're dropping names, might as well just keep going. Um, I mentioned it to Mike Bentley, um, mm. who I know we both know uh, recently about how just his positivity. Like mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I'm sure there are some comics who are cynical and feel like it's 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 not what what's cool to do, but it yeah. it lifts me up. Like when I see him post and shout out other people, mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, that's that's somebody I want to be around. That's somebody who is going to be there at the end, uh, and and he's good. Oh yeah, he's, he's so good. He's he's gotten good in a hurry. Oh, too. absolutely. Like, he just won his round in the U.S. comedy contest. Uh-huh. Yeah, and um, so I'm like, dude, the, somebody who's not only talented but hardworking and cares about people around him. Mm-hmm. What what more could you want in a person? Yeah, like, that's he'll, a he'll send me random texts just about things, you know, yeah. like you know, and um, I don't really get that from a whole lot of uh, other people. Um, I mean, you did it. You texted me randomly the the other day too. And, um, yeah, I think that's like needed in, uh, when you're pursuing comedy, you know, like, cause, uh, I felt the same way, um, as you were describing, like before 
Portland, I kind of just felt like, um, like I was performing comedy, but I didn't really feel like I was a part of the scene or anything here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, um, I was starting to like make a few friends. And then when we went to Portland, um, that was awesome to get to know you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I felt the same way. Like I just felt sort of worn down a little bit, sort of cynical. And then to be around that kind of environment where it was so positive and everybody yeah. like, you know, like it was a competition, but it wasn't like, it was just like, I didn't see a single like, like side eye in that final round. Right. Like, right. All no. of us got up and got down and got like, everybody was like, great job. Great job. I, yeah. I, I think we all kind of knew Tamara was going to win anyways. Yeah. That's so true. We were all like, just have your best set. But, um, but at the same right. time, nobody was being uncool. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was just, um, that was energizing for me. Like it, it just made me it made me want to do this more so yeah. it's it, it, a good good experience well and i mean we all know the stereotypes and i don't think it the stereotypes exist because they're false but there there is a lot of depression in oh, comedy yeah. there's a lot of people who are um hurting and i think that when i got involved my my kind of internal goal was i wanted to do this but not not have it put me in a place where, cause I, I tend towards depression sometimes and I've, I've gone through it really bad in my twenties and whatnot. Um, and I want, I, you know, I kind of remember saying to my friend at the time, I'm like, I, I want to do this differently than the stereotype. I want to, I want to have this be a thing that, uh, you know, enriches my life and that maybe brings me more connections. And I'm, I don't think I've done it the whole time, but it's been a lot more on my mind. Um, just, you know, you meet these really great people um, and, and you start saying, like, and, I, I, and the other thing that I've noticed is I look at like a few generations before us and I look at some of the success that some of those, the more established comedians, the Jesse Egan's, Zoltan's, Dustin Nickerson, mm-hmm. these guys around, uh, you know, they're touring and, and they're just, they are such nice guys. Right, they're nice right. to me. They're nice to other people. And when I see them interact with each other, I'm like, that's the kind of connections I want to make with people that I entered with. Yeah. So that in 10 years, I'm, I'm like, I see how they're lifting each other up still. And it's not an easy life, even right. for them. But um, I just, I look at them and they're, they're just such good people. And I tend to, the people who are doing well around us, I feel like tend to also be nice. Yeah. So. Yeah. Because I don't think it, um, I think you can be the, f- like, the funniest person in the city. But if you're an asshole, nobody's going to want to book or work with you right well so. and and i think if you are the funniest person in the city there's no need to be an asshole right yeah because it's like you, yeah. you're not threat you shouldn't feel threatened yeah and even, if, point. even yeah. if you're not the funniest person in the city mm-hmm. like if you're doing this authentically then it's about being the best comedian in person you can be right and yeah. if, if i go i never feel like i'm the funniest person on a show ever mm-hmm. um and if i go up and i'm the least funny person on the show or the funniest person on the show in somebody's eyes i'm gonna i'm gonna just I'm going to, the, the metaphor I always use in my head is I talked to the old kicker for the chargers, John Carney. Um, and I asked him how he dealt with pressure of like 80,000 fans, game winning kick, you know? And he said something about how, um, you've kicked a ball 10,000, 20,000, 50,000 times in your life. You know, from, from step one to the contact point, what you're supposed to be doing. He says, if I do all of that, right, then what does it matter if it goes through the through the uprights because I would have done it the same anyways. And so, and so when I go out and do my shows now, I try to take that with me and say, if I can get on stage and be the best person I can be, not every crowd's going to like me. Um, I'm not always going to have my best sets. There are going to be nights where I'm not funny at all. And, and I know that that has happened. (laughs) Um, and me too. And you know, I mean, not you for you. I mean, for me, (laughs) 
Yeah, well, and uh, there, there, there are people who, uh, in and out of the scene, who probably don't think I'm funny at all, and that's fine. Um, you know, I think that's part of what I'm learning too is that this has to be for the enjoyment of the process and not for pleasing everyone. Because if I tried to write jokes that literally everybody found funny, I mean, I, I wish I were that good. I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> and so I'm going to write the jokes that I find funny and, and that, and that people seem to be responding to that are authentically me. Um, and yeah, and I'm going to try to have fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, and the, and kind of just the process. Well, I think jokes have to be written, um, you know, in your voice or authentically like uh, coming from you, because I, I think that's a big part of um, what what comedy does for me. You know, like when I when I write a joke that like I laugh out loud to, like yeah. that's what makes me feel good. Yeah. You know. So yeah, I kind of get get what you're saying. I don't really care uh, necessarily if a crowd doesn't laugh at it. If yeah. I, if I think it's funny, it's gonna be like ah, all right. Yeah, and we all have those jokes that um, that we love so much that don't work, and we're like, "Come on, I want this to work." Oh, uh, dude! Um, and then we have those jokes that, for some reason, people laugh, and we're like, "That wasn't okay." Yeah, yeah, I like, yeah. I, that bothers me sometimes when I do a mediocre joke and it gets a big laugh. I just want to be like, "Why? Yeah, <laughs> why did you laugh?" At it, so well, hard and some some of it is like, "Do I just not have any idea what's funny?" Yeah, like yeah. if you're laughing at that part. Oh man, I uh, I did this uh, contest in um, Costa Mesa last night. And, oh uh, nice! I thought that got canceled. Uh oh no, that was um. Or that was just one night. That was like a Orange County comedy fest, not comedy festival. Orange County contest. I don't know what it was, but okay. uh, yeah, my night got canceled with three other San Diego comedians for that. That's what, okay. That was okay. A couple okay. weeks That's ago. That's what I was thinking I of. Um, but last night, um, when it came uh, time for voting, uh, they did it by applause. Okay. And um. And the host said, only cheer for the people you want to win. And, of course, I'm not from the area. So yeah. I, I literally had no friends there. Yeah. And I was the first comedian. So it, so he said, all right, Dusty Tunnel. Dude, it was completely <laughs> silent. It was, <laughs> I just started laughing out loud so loud. Oh, my God. I was like, this is the funniest thing, like, in the world. And then, um, you know, of course, like, the the comedian who's been doing comedy for like four months or something was able to bring like the whole room. Yeah. So yeah. like the room blew up for him. Yeah. Netflix, for him, Netflix though, special yeah. to come, huh? Yeah. 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 But, uh, uh, that just reminds me of uh, a few months ago, um, Gordon Downs and Bijan uh, were running um, like a nineties event at uh, like comedy at the Petco park. Oh yeah. 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 And uh, I guess they had asked someone to play um, Jerry Seinfeld, imitate Jerry Seinfeld in a roast battle, and they dropped out, and so they called me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. So you're going to ask like the, the Italian guy who's, <laughs> who's balding who doesn't do any impressions <laughs> to play Jerry Seinfeld in a roast battle. And, and Gordon, you know, uh, he's just like, eh, come on. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be fine. <laughs> he's got that laid-back mentality. I'm like, uh, well, I trust Gordon. And so uh, I went out, and... Uh, and we wrote the jokes and went out on stage. And <coughs> admittedly, I wasn't super confident in, in the jokes. Like, I, I remember, like, on the drive down, I was telling Gordon, should I say this or this? And Gordon was getting so mad at me. He was like, shut up and just say the jokes. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I got on stage, and I didn't say them with conviction. And, 
and I'm a terrible impersonator. And the wig that uh, I bought looked a lot better online than it did on my head. <laughs> Suffice it to say, I I got worked. And <laughs> and the guy that I was going against was Michael O'Brien, who uh, looks, sounds, acts, and dressed exactly like Ace Ventura. Oh, that's awesome. So the whole crowd. So when it came time, Gordon's like, who thinks that Jerry Seinfeld won? And uh, my sister had brought two friends. And I'm talking there's like 800 people congregating at Petco Park, like voting. And three of them <laughs> just clap <laughs> pathetically for me. And thank heaven for Mikey Gordon, who was dressed as Macho Man Randy Savage, because he ran on stage, lifted me up, and carried me off. And I was like, thank you. I do not want to face this mob. <laughs> oh my! And the best part after that was that uh, I took off my wig, and I changed my clothes, and I wanted to just fit into the event. But what I started doing was asking people, just random people, I'd be like, oh, hey, nice, nice to meet you. Did you see the roast battles? What was up with that Jerry Seinfeld guy? And everybody hated me. <laughs> like, everybody. <laughs> and I was, I was listening to Color Me Bad, and we're, we're having fun with, this, uh, with my sister and all, all these girls and that she knew and stuff. And we're, I was talking to this girl. We're getting along. We're singing together. And at one point, um, I, I asked her, did you see the roast battles? And she said, um, she said uh, oh, yeah, that was awkward. <laughs> and I was like, tell me about it. I was on stage. And she just goes, what were you, the bad Jerry Seinfeld? And as the words were coming out of her mouth, I saw that she realized that I was. <laughs> and her face just turned bright red. And I was just like, well, I'm glad to know that uh, today wasn't my day. <laughs> uh, that's so awesome, though, because now you have that story. Yeah, I mean... Like, you know, I, I, I really liked the experience and I, I, I make these complaining jokes. I don't really mean it. It was such a fun experience and it, it was comical to me because I, I tried something that was out of my comfort zone. Yeah. I'm not an impersonator. I'm not an impressionist and I did my best and <laughs> my best was not good. <laughs> <laughs> but it was still it was still uh, worth trying and I really appreciate, uh, you know, that they Gordon and them gave me the chance. Um it was a fun day. It really was. Yeah. Um, it looked like a cool event. Yeah. No, I, and I mean, I'm a 90s nerd, man, uh, you know. And so getting to hear... Do you have any jokes about the 90s? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. But, uh, just like set you up. You could just do your whole set now. Well, and I mean, I had just started writing that bit when this event was going on, and then I got to open for Color Me Bad, All For One, Coolio, oh. and Vanilla Ice. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, I didn't, you know... I didn't. Jerry, bad Jerry Seinfeld opened <laughs> four hours before anybody went up. So it's not like I, I never use the credit. Like I never tell, oh, I opened for vanilla. No. Like, but uh, it was cool to be on that stage and then later on at night see Call Me Bad saying, I want to sex you up. <laughs> and then All for One saying, I swear. Yeah, it just yeah, brought yeah, me back yeah. to grade school and stuff. I don't know. Yeah, I loved All for One because of the white guy with glasses. I just related. I believe all four of All for One are still original. Oh really? Whereas Color Me Bad, it was the opposite. It was it was because Color Me Bad used to have like the guy that looked like George Michael, the guy that looked like Kenny G. Uh-huh. Uh, I think they had one black guy, and then and then one, one other one other white dude. And now it's just three black guys. And I think one of them might be the same uh, original guy. Uh-huh. And they sound great, but it's it's like the Kenny G guy's gone, the uh, George Michael guy's gone, and I guess the other um, guy who was like the lead singer recently like he gained a bunch of weight and like was uh, drunk one night on stage and tackled one of his bandmates. Oh shit. Like I think you can see the video on YouTube and so they kicked him out. And so uh and, awesome. and then he went on Dr. Phil. It's a whole thing. <laughs> uh that's kind of awesome. Yeah. I think that's cool. How long you've been doing comedy for like 2 years now? Uh year and a half. Year and a half. What um what made you decide to get into it? 
I've always been a writer, um, and I uh, my degree was in creative writing, and um, I was writing fiction, and I thought I wanted to be a novelist, um, and I was working really hard on a novel in grad school, and agents were reading it and things like that, and it wasn't it wasn't polished, um, and I just uh, I didn't like the wait. You'd sit and write something, and sometimes it would take years for anybody to really look. And and I, I mean, I'm not one of those people who finds a lot of solace writing alone. Like some people are like, just do it for yourself, do it for the art. And I was like, I love doing it, but I kind of want to share also. Um, I just, and so my buddy and I um, had this idea to just start writing like a TV show together. And and even if nothing happened to it, we had an audience of one for each other, you know? And we couldn't think of any ideas that made us laugh. And we tell the story differently and we both remember it differently. But as I remember it, he said, I said, let's just try to write like stand-up comedy bits and see if we can spin that into a show. Like, you know, that's how, that's how a lot of sitcoms and yeah. TV shows come. And, um, and as I recall, cause he used to do stand up when he was younger, as I, re- as I recall it, he said, we should get on stage and just try these to see what's funny. And, um, I kind of agreed. And then it turned into, he was like, I don't want to get on stage though. Why don't you try? And I was like, whatever, I got no shame. And then he ended up wanting to try after. So we tried for like three weeks together. Um, he's a very successful, uh, high functioning businessman. Mm. And he just didn't like the stress of having to like be businessman by day, write jokes at night. He's also at the time was engaged, now married. Um, it was just it was a lot on his plate that wasn't uh, wasn't really didn't he didn't have room for. Uh, okay. And he started getting all these huge contracts for these companies that like were like like well known companies that asked him for his work. And he's just like, I just don't think I want to just come. And I was I was I was getting a rush off those little laughs I was getting because they sure were little at first. Yeah. <laughs> and they still are sometimes, but, <laughs> but no, at first, especially like I just, I remember the first night where somebody came up to me and said, that was really good. Like a, a, a non comic yeah. and the ego boost. And like, it just made me want to work harder. So good. Yeah. It, it's the comedy's the first thing I've ever done where I feel like, cause I played baseball in college and there was always this feeling like no matter how hard I work, I'm not going to be as good as that guy. Right. Like I just look at, look at my body, look at my strength. Like yeah. I can't hit a ball as far as that guy can, no matter how hard I work okay. and comedy. There are certainly people that I look at and I'm like, I'm probably not going to be as good as him right. or her. Um, but, but for the most part, uh, comedy is the first thing that when I go on stage and get off stage, I feel like there's a measure of control that I do have mm-hmm. where it's like, I could get better if I work hard. Oh yeah. You know, yeah, for sure. And I might never be a headliner. I might never be a, uh, you know, somebody who, who makes it or whatever, but that's, that was never my goal to begin with. My goal was to really enjoy making people laugh. And some nights I've been lucky enough to have Portland, man. We had what, 200 in the crowd. Yeah. Well, I mean for the finals. Yeah. Cause I think, um, I think capacity there is 250. Yeah. And I don't know if there was really very many chairs left. Yeah. Jordan. I yeah. mean, it was, oh, it was yeah. pretty full. Yeah. And so, yeah, I got to do seven minutes or whatever mm-hmm. and, and hear those laughs. Like if I never did comedy again, I'd, you know, I'd live the rest of my life being like, okay, I accomplished a goal. Yeah. Um, and, and that was really, that's bigger than I ever thought I would be able to, um, you know, leap in comedy Yeah. and everything from here on out, it's just a little baby steps and, and I, I have my goals and I, I'm not, you know, I, I, I it's not like I'm like, I think that I'm horrible or that, uh, that I don't, do, it's, but I'm like, I got into this just to see see if it would work. Yeah. And so everything from here on out is just a lot of fun. Yeah. I well, I think um I think if it got to the point where it wasn't fun then like yeah. You know, yeah, who who would want to do it anyway? Yeah. Like, right? I mean, Gary Goldman tweets a lot about 
um, mindset. Oh yeah, he's he's doing the whole like like one tip a day thing right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And a lot of his kind of surround that notion of if if you feel depressed or if you're going through a tough time, if if you're not enjoying going out and doing comedy, take a break. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know I, I do think it becomes counterproductive at, at some point because if you're not having fun, then when you go on stage, your energy isn't having fun, and you're even if you're getting some laughs, you're not getting the same laughs you would get in a good mood. And then you start thinking you're worse at comedy, and it's just like this downward spiral. Yeah, it's like especially a feedback for loop. comedians. Yeah, like, yeah, we're all just like emotionally unstable. And yeah, it's stupid, or at least. When I say we we all are, I just <laughs> just mean me, and, <laughs> and also the other people that are. <laughs> uh, not every comedian. There's actually some well-adjusted comedians out there. I think. I think you know what's funny is I said this recently. I think there are more good people than than we give credit to in the scene. Mm. I think, oh yeah, for sure. I think they're just quieter sometimes. Um, yeah. But but I I've met some really really wonderful people. Um and and I'm trying you know I, I'm I'm trying to remember like the the advice i get from those people mm-hmm. and and to have fun with that i don't know um yeah yeah I, I don't know especially like when you talk about like the getting advice from someone like tamer like man like meeting him was just it was like inspirational yeah you know? just, yeah just uh the i he's i mean he's pretty well accomplished and stuff and he's just the like kindest like most generous like with his time yeah and just um I'd love to be like that someday. Yeah. And that's another tip Gary Goldman gave um, on one of his tweets was, um, you know, when you start having any measure of success, reach out to some of the newer comics and, and be the mentor that you appreciated. Mm, yeah. um, and, you know, one of the things at being a teacher first, um, I love teaching and I love that dynamic of being able to make other people feel good about themselves and feel like they're, um, oh, Dougie's about to go crazy on yeah, somebody. Get All right, Doug, you teach them a lesson. How dare they walk by our house? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, there it is. You can hear that, <laughs> I'm sure. But uh, okay, thank you, buddy. Thank you, buddy. Um, he f- he fixed. He saved us. Yeah. No. I mean, God only knows what that kind woman and her tiny little dog may have done if Dougie weren't here. Um, thank you. No, I you're, you're proud of yourself, and we're all very happy. <laughs> Why don't you go lay down? No. Okay. Um, what were we? Oh, so I was gonna say that. Um, you know, I. Uh, this past weekend, I was able to do that hood bar show up in Palm Desert. Oh uh, yeah, and it was pretty cool. My favorite part of it, like, I got to do my first thirty minutes, and you know, it was. I don't, I don't feel like I have a, a thirty minutes yet. Um, but I think that getting part of getting thirty minutes is is stretching out, and and seeing what you do, how you pace it in a longer set. Yeah, and I, it was it was sometimes a, with like the extra time too. Uh, sorry to cut you off. No, but, no. Uh, when I when I have extra time in my sets and I and I am kind of st- stretching my jokes out, sometimes I think they're better that way too. You know. Well, it was really fascinating because the some of the jokes that in my seven minute sets in the contests and stuff that have been doing great, when I tried to stretch them out, they didn't do great. But then some of my like story type jokes that I don't really tell in my short sets because they don't work in short sets, those d- did great. Uh, so it's kind of like I had to readjust my my notion of. Um, of, of organization and, and whatever. It was a great learning experience and I really appreciate, uh, uh, Nigel was the booker at, um, in Palm desert and Benji helped me, um, get the, get the spot. I really appreciate them for giving me the chance because like, that's how you get, that's how you get it. That's how you get there is by doing it. Yeah. And, and I, I honestly, most, the vast majority of the set was a success. There were parts that I can clean up and get better at. It wasn't a crush, but it was, it, it was good. It, it, like I, but what I was going to say was my favorite part about all of it 
was that afterwards, a lot of the local comics would come up to me and ask me for advice and stuff. And I, cool. I, 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 was, I told them, I'm like, I don't have much for you. <laughs> but nevertheless, it was, you know, I guess I did have some for that. Because like one guy, for instance, has been doing comedy three months. And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm not. I'm move, not an expert. Move the mic stand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I could do it on there. <laughs> no, but you know, like it's yeah. like we, we, sometimes we just because I'm not uh, a famous or or headlining comedian. That doesn't mean I can't give a little bit of sound advice to somebody who's even less experienced than me. Yeah. And and it was nice, you know. I mean, like, I don't know. It, it was it, that was actually the most fun part for me was sitting with with people and just talking comedy. And, you know, like he he'd ask a question like like I remember the question he asked was how do you deal with like an open mic where nobody's laughing and it's all comics and they're ignoring you? Cause all I like to do is just, I, I just get mad and screw around. And sometimes that gets laughs. And I gave him the metaphor of, you know, when I played college baseball, we would take batting practice sometimes in a quiet batting cage alone where nobody was watching us. And I could hit a ball 400 feet or I could tap one to first base and no, nobody knew but I was working on one thing when I was in the batting cage, you know? Oh, that's a good that's a good analogy. I like that. And so for open mics, I told him, I'm like, when I get on stage, I sometimes I need to convince myself to breathe more. Yeah. So that's my one thing. And if people don't laugh, I just judge it by, did I do my task tonight? Yeah. And um, sometimes it's, okay, you know, wait for, get your timing down on this particular joke. And so it was nice just being able to talk about things like that and, and have some fun and mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it, it brought the teaching to the comedy and I'm, I really love teaching. So yeah, that's, yeah, that's really cool. That, um, that you were able to incorporate two things you love or w- one thing you love to another thing. You yeah. Love. I don't know. I could connect about, them. But hey buddy. Uh, one thing, um, I think it was, uh, I think it was maybe like TD Cunningham or something like when I had him on this podcast or maybe it wasn't even the podcast and he might've just been saying it, but, he was talking about when he was um, overseas trying to do comedy, and he mm. was like, um, he was saying like, so you know, some people will say that uh, you have to be in front of an audience to practice comedy, and he's like, uh, that's bullshit because uh, I practiced in front of a mirror on my ship or whatever he was on, yeah. you know, like over and over again. Um, no, he told me that he has like a little stage he built in his garage that he works on sometimes too. Oh, really? And I, yeah. I, I might be misremembering this story exactly, but but essentially he told me that he practices alone. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I mean, I every now and then I'll 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 say my stuff out loud to myself as practice. I have trouble getting in the in the mode, but it was I I was interested to hear his take on that because I'm like, oh, he has had to do a lot of his work because of his life situation in a way that most of us. Like right. that's a disadvantage and he's overcome it Yeah, and he's doing a great job. Yeah. And, um, and I, I mean, God, does anybody work harder than TD? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> like he's, no, that he works, guy busts he it. Super hard. But, uh, after hearing that, because, um, uh, I was kind of getting cynical about some of the open mics too, you know, like you, that it's kind of, it can be that situation where you're performing in front of almost nobody or, yeah. or whatever. Um, but what I started doing is, uh, with these mics that we're using for the podcast, um, I just started holding them and, uh, not necessarily like performing in front of a mirror, but like sort of just, um, because I feel like one thing that, uh, I can work on a lot is my stage presence yeah. moving around on stage. Cause I don't really do a lot of it. Even just holding the mic. Like I used to, um, I used to hold it like down by your chest kind of yeah, yeah. like <coughs> super like, like gnarly grip on it. Like yeah. where, like, I think it just looked nervous and, um, practicing it 
at home uh, kind of like helped me figure out a better way to hold the mic. I hold it against my chin now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so, but like, it still, I think looks pretty natural and yeah. stuff. And, uh, and uh, I'm starting to move a little bit better too. Um, movement, know, movement's hard to, it's a hard habit to get into. Yeah. 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 Because, um, it doesn't feel natural to me, but mm. also I think, uh, if, if I could figure out how to do it right, it, I think it would, um, it would help a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Mine was, so my first time on stage, I didn't move at all. I think most people have that problem where they're nervous and they don't know what to do. And then I remember when I started like uh, getting my first couple of like actual show bookings. Um, I remember I did a 10 minute spot at the um, Comedy Palace. Uh, Bijan reached out to me and said, hey, can you do 10 minutes? And I, the answer was no. <laughs> but but I said yes. <laughs> because, because It's always yes, even when it's no, yeah. Bijan told me the <laughs> night after that show, we went out and got a beer, and he told me, he's like, if you if I had any idea that you were lying to me, I would not have booked you then. Or, <laughs> but uh, no, I really, you know, it was a great opportunity. And I'll never forget, because I, I got up, and I did fine. I didn't do, you know, I didn't crash. I didn't, I didn't bomb. I, I, I brought enough people to where I had a safety net. Oh, nice. I wasn't yeah. going to do poorly, you know. Yeah. But I do remember that um, I looked at the video afterwards, and I remember Gordon, he was the host, and after I got off stage, he goes, did you see that guy pacing around? <laughs> and I saw the video, and I, I was, like, it was a race from one side of the stage to the other for the whole set. Oh, and, and so I had to, like, I overcorrected, basically, and so I had to reteach myself, how do you stand relatively still on stage? Yeah. And so it's been a, I mean, but these are the little things when you talk about working on one thing in an open mic. Yeah, yeah. You know, those are the little things that I work on now is yeah. how, are, uh, somebody told, Andrew Tarr told me one time, he's like, you, uh, I forget exactly what it was, but I did, I was doing something with my head a lot. He's like, you know, you have a nervous tick, you do this with your head a lot. So I started working on that every time I got on stage. <clears throat> and so, um, and it's really amazing when you think about comedy in general and what's funny is that all these little tiny things do matter. Oh, Yeah. That's it's like it doesn't matter how tightly written your jokes are, if if you're messing up timing or if you're messing up posture, body movement, then the crowd is gonna be distracted, you know. Yeah, because yeah. I think even when people don't consciously know that they're you know judging you based on that off that stuff, I think like subconsciously, like it definitely affects. Uh, how funny something is well, you know, I, like, I, 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 <laughs> and like as a comedian now uh i like i pick up on all that stuff when another comedian's up i can be like oh they could they could fix this yeah they could fix this they could do that better and and i even like they just sit there and judge everybody really harshly <laughs> no i mean <laughs> I, not I like yeah i mean not so much judging just yeah. like it's uh it's just that that's kind of where my mindset is. I'm trying to like work on myself so much that I see like, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, things in other people. No, I, I remember I had an argument with my cousin when we were up in Portland actually, because, um, you know, the first two sets I did both went pretty well. Um, I won the second showcase that got me into the last round. Yeah. Um, and the next night I had a couple of showcases that weren't part of the competition and they were my weakest sets of the, of the week. Um, and I was wearing a t-shirt for both of them. And that night I told him, I was like, I'm not going to blame the t-shirt. I said, but uh, I, I feel like when I dress up on stage a little bit and wear a collared shirt, um, I just, you know, my, I'm, I'm a college professor and my persona matches my look better when I'm dressed a little bit nicer. Yeah. And he was like, that doesn't have any effect. And it's funny and maybe it doesn't and maybe it's totally in my head, but I'll tell you this much. Every time I wear a t-shirt on stage, it goes worse than yeah. when I, when I wear my collared shirts. I, I, I believe it. Uh, I think that's the whole idea behind like, um, don't wear sandals or shorts on stage. Yeah. You know, the, like the kind of the unwritten rules. Like, I think that. Yeah. Um, I think all of that makes a difference. I, 
it gives, it well, that certainly look. that gives the crowd something else to look at. It's yeah. like why why would you want them to look at your chicken yeah, legs or your yeah, feet? Yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just I don't know. I think that sometimes they the crowd doesn't just want to hear jokes; they want to hear a person. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I got I think Zoltan told me one. I asked him, "Do you ever?" He's so good. Yeah. It's like asking him for advice is like you know asking Michael Jordan how do you get better at basketball? It's just like <laughs> or whatever. Like yeah. you just do it. No, but I asked him like if you're if you're in a bad mood or if you had a down week or something, how do you how do you get on stage and fake it basically? And his his answer was just like don't. He's like just tell him. He's like they they want to hear a person. And I and I mean yeah, I'm paraphrasing. He might have said it differently, but that's what I took from it was like, oh yeah, like they don't really care about the individual. They want the whole person. And I think part of that is your look. Yeah. And so if you're up there and you look like your jokes and you look like like you're authentically the person that they're hearing, even if that's a, a person who's uh, awkward or strange, maybe that's maybe, maybe that's part of someone's gimmick, you know, or whatever. Yeah. But if it's authentic, I think it's going to work better. Yeah, I also think it um, kind of it shows that you care a little bit too. Like if you're, yeah, if if you're dressing up even a, a tiny bit or yeah. you know, just it, I I think it shows people that you care about what you're doing. No, and there's there's a professionalism too. I know, um, yeah. like when I host, I try to dress a little nicer, just because I want the I want the crowd to feel like you're at a real show. Yeah, you're you're at a real you you paid and and you're getting your money's worth. Um, <laughs> you know when you host, I always wondered what people thought of the host, and I think because when I used to go to comedy shows before I did comedy, I knew the host was a comic who was hosting. Right. I, but <laughs> it's so funny because like sometimes I'll have people come voice complaints to me after the show, as though I own the place. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I literally had somebody one time who was like, "You know what you should do in this room?" And I'm like, "What's that?" And they started telling me all, it was the it was the gold room at the Comedy Palace. And they were like, "You should uh, um, take drink orders a half hour earlier because that way, when the drinks are all there, the waitresses won't have to come in and out." And I'm like, "I have literally no pull at this place." <laughs> and he's like, "Oh well, you don't work here?" I'm like, "No, I'm just a comedian." He's like. Oh, you are? And I'm like, well, clearly the set didn't go well. <laughs> but yeah, sometimes they see the host and they don't know. Oh, uh, that's funny. I just did my first hosting thing. Oh, that's right. You did that uh, show at Amplified with TD and the veteran stuff, right? Yeah. I, I heard that was awesome. Oh, it was so good. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if TD knows. He, he's the one that um, hooked me up with the hosting spot. And I don't know if he knows this, but uh, I never hosted before that. Okay. <laughs> and I and I, maybe I should have told him that. No, but, no, uh, no. But uh, I mean, it's I don't think hosting's like too terribly hard. But um, the the one thing that was different about it was they were filming, so um, they didn't want people standing up during uh, the actual comedian sets. Oh yeah. So they um, and they also wanted to make sure the crowd was full for the filming, so they would get up yeah. during uh, while I was on stage, and and as long as people were gone, I had to kill time. Yeah. So, like, I was kind of nervous about that. I was like, dude, I don't know if I have enough material. Yeah, yeah. And also, I didn't want to do, like, my abortion stuff. Cause, like, that's that's kind of bad etiquette yeah, for the host. <laughs> yeah, to, like, yeah. You know, do abortion stuff. And that's, like, all my material, basically. Yeah, yeah. So, uh so I was like really nervous about it. But it went so well. Like, I like I handled the crowd so, like, even better than I thought I would, you know? Yeah. Like, and it was kind of nice. You were talking about, like, challenging yourself with, like, new things. With yeah. The Comfort zone, getting out, yeah. Yeah, and it was just... Uh, yeah. It was really, it was kind of cool to do that, come out of it and just feel like better about my skill set, I guess. Well, and you said at the beginning of this, and I think there are people who would uh, disagree with you uh, mightily that you said hosting isn't that hard. 
Oh, and no. I, I, I think what I heard from that, based on your story, yeah. is that um, if you understand the role of a host and yeah. if you're willing to, to, to be positive and play that role, um, then you can be a good host. Yeah. And I think the hardest part of hosting is acknowledging that I'm not supposed to be the funniest one tonight. Right, right. And so that competitive side of you that wants to have a great set and you try, but it's like, no, your job is to make sure those people are sitting down and, and that they're attentive and that they're enjoying themselves. Right. You're the curator of their night more yeah, than yeah. you are of your comedy. And so there are a lot of nights where um, I think that um, I get asked to host because as a teacher, I've always learned how to be positive. You have to be positive with students. Yeah. And you're so, basically a host. And so, exactly. So when I get on stage to host, a lot of times I just get my teacher mentality. I'm like, are you guys having a good time? Is everything good? Yeah. All right. You know, <laughs> like, like yeah. you got another great community. You got to have the high energy. Um, and sometimes it doesn't feel like me, but, you know. Yeah, yeah I even had to play, um, yeah. play like dad a little or whatever where – because it was a – I mean, it was a veterans thing. So obviously the crowd was full of like a lot of like – drunk marines and yeah, stuff yeah. and uh during s one of their sets um people started like yelling out a little bit oh yeah so like after he got off stage i had to i had to do the, do the whole like all right guys remember the rules yeah yeah there's no yelling out during the sets yeah. <laughs> i was like i'm sorry to do this to you uh I, I've never understood what makes people want to yell out during a comedy show like i get that maybe they're just not super familiar with comedy but it's just a, a weird thing to me to think that I'd be in public and I'd be watching people performing and, oh, it's my turn now. As, right. as yeah. like, it, it would like, never occur to me. Would you go to an opera and, like, yell out? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. yeah I, uh, Sing but, that song! <laughs> yeah. What? But, I mean, I guess I, I, guess I kind of get it because in a comedy club, it's, um, you know, there's drinking and, and it's funny and, um, it's, you know, especially, like, when it's like Marines, you know, they're yeah. a little bit And a lot, a lot of heckling is kind-hearted, I think. It, it, they yeah. think that, that the comedian kind of wants it. I've heard people say that before where they're like, oh, it makes the show better. And I'm like, well, maybe one time you saw uh, a guy interact with a comedian and it made that moment better. Yeah. And you've extrapolated that. But, you know, there are very few comedians who actively prefer crowd participation right like, unless you're asking the crowd a question right yeah which is I mean, that's obvious though if, yeah. if, if, but yeah. then you have those people who are so scared you'll be like what do you do for a living and she's just like uh don't make fun of me yeah yeah yeah, yeah. oh god yeah yeah um yeah I, I don't really know i i think it's just people that are uh too afraid to try comedy themselves so now the yeah. pressure is on somebody else to be funny. Light, the like, light's not on me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I can yeah. throw something out, and it's it's really, it's kind of like you can't lose, right? Because, like, well, I mean, you can. Yeah. Uh, you can look like the comic can make you look like an asshole, but kind of I think um, the mindset a lot of times is like, oh, I can yell something out, and if it's not funny, then the comic will fix it. Right. You know? Yeah. And it's like, By the way, look how unimpressed Dougie looks right now. <laughs> Is this that boring? He's, I mean, it, it is. <laughs> it's interesting to you and me because because we're talking about you know our thoughts and and, and we're friends. But yeah. Dougie doesn't know any of these people. He doesn't know any of these things. And many of the listeners probably feel the same as you, Dougie. That's fine. Yeah. Usually, yeah. Yeah, but that's it. We, we, my mom loves it. Yeah, that's great. That's yeah. great. So and and again, this is another one of those things that if you're doing it because you enjoy it, like who cares? About oh, dude. Yeah, I started doing this. Um. Well, for two reasons. One. Uh, just because I, I enjoy talking to, to people. But then the other 
is because um, I'm such a, especially when I started, first started comedy in San Diego, I was so introverted that I wasn't like meeting anybody. Yeah. So it was like an excuse, like, "Hey, dude, I'm doing a podcast. Yeah. You want it? So, <laughs> Will you be my friend?" <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, that was basically it. And uh, and I've met a lot of like great people. Like uh, you mentioned, Mike Bentley um, before, and now I consider him a, a pretty good friend. You yeah. Know? And like, no, I've gotten a lot closer with him in the past couple months too. And I, re- I really, just as a human, him and um, the other one that I uh, in in that kind of tight knit crew I see all the time is Ali. Oh yeah, Ali's um, great. Who I don't know where he appeared from, but he had such great energy like day one. Oh yeah, he's so positive. He yeah. met he met my sister. He was so nice to her. My yeah. sister always every time she comes out to a show, she's like, "What? Where's that guy? He was so nice." Because I think, I think it had to do with like he saw her wandering around looking for me and he was about to go on stage but he ran across the room to direct her to where i was as they're called like he like risked his energy on stage <laughs> to be nice to my sister oh he has so um, much energy i don't think yeah yeah he's, he's but just such good people man yeah yeah i mean there's there's been a, a lot of like ty shelton td like yeah all these guys james hancock and like that um, that whole uh, max and that the, oh yeah those yeah. guys i haven't had them yeah. um uh, i haven't had max or james on the podcast yeah. yet but just yeah, I've met met them through like TD and, yeah. and Ty, and um, yeah, it's just like Ty is such an intimidating looking guy. Like, <laughs> just look at, he's just this giant, and he's got the the tattoos, and he looks like a biker well, dude. I, I know, that but then you talk to him, and he's like the <laughs> sweetest guy. You know, like he's just such a nice guy. Uh, Ty and I, uh, I forgot to mention that that crew they all run together. They do a lot of shows together. I forgot to mention Bilal. Uh, yeah, oh, Bilal is, is another yeah. great guy. Yeah, yeah. But uh, there was a show that Bilal got us all booked at up in LA and they told the story on their podcast. So I'm, I'm, I'm double dipping, but basically all I heard TD called me and said, do you want my spot? I can't do it. And I said, yeah, he said, it's a, it's a fundraiser for domestic abuse or something like that. And I was like, Oh, there's gonna be a lot of like suits and white, you know, white hair and people giving envelopes of money. I, I figured this is going to be, cause I've done fundraisers for singing before, you know, oh, okay. they're very, they're gay. Are you, you know? are you a singer? I sing jazz, yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I, sing dude, like, I had no idea. Yeah, I sing like Dean Martin, and uh, oh, that's why you like Dean Martin. So I'm much. a huge Dean Martin. Do fan. you do you sing jazz? Like, do you do gigs? Yeah, yeah. in San Diego. Yeah, I'd love to go to one. Oh, I'll let are you, you know. doing that comedy and jazz thing? I'm not. Oh, I'm okay. I'm I'm sad uh, because I was like, that's that's my two loves, but I also am like, did you see the lineup? Uh, I did not belong on that show. It's like Zoltan, Jesse, Jimmy Calloway. Like, there's guys that are, they, you know, you they're belong, awesome. You belong. Um, well, hey, hey, maybe one day. But um, hey, put it this way. It was more like I, I dreamed of being on it because I'm like, yeah. it's my loves. But I'm, I look at the lineup and I'm like, okay, I get it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I actually kind of wanted to sing on it. I yeah. thought I thought it would have been fun to get up and, and do a little Dean Martin or something, it, but um, it'd be cool to have someone on the show that did both. I yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe in, if it, if it goes well, maybe in a future show yeah, I, I can yeah. toss out the idea. Cool. But um, this particular gig, we get there, and you mentioned how Ty's a scary looking guy. So Ty and I drive together. We're in his like whatever F two fifty. I don't know. He's got a big old truck, yeah. and he's got his rings on and his <laughs> and his his backwards hat, and and we're, we're ten feet off the ground pulling into this lot. And as we're getting to this place, it is not a neighborhood that Ty's truck belongs in. <laughs> like, it's a very, like, it's it's South L.A., like, it, it's, it's you know, I mean, it's an urban neighborhood. There's, there's a lot of people of color around and stuff. And we're looking around, and we're like, are, are we in the right place? You know, we pull into the lot, and there are these four or five guys, uh, black guys, that we, we say we're here for the comedy show. Not only do they look at us like they have no idea what's going on, but then we find out they don't even really speak. They're not. They're not like Black American. 
they were from Belize, so they speak Spanish. <laughs> and one guy in the corner was like, yes, 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 spark there, you know, and they were super nice. But we ended up getting in the room, <laughs> and it's set up like a quinceanera. <laughs> it turns out it's not a fundraiser. It was a, a book signing for a woman who had written a book about her experiences with domestic abuse. Oh, shit. And so the people in the room were either supporters of hers from Belize, because she was from Belize, or women who had experienced domestic abuse. Oh, wow. The, sh- the entire event opens up with a guy getting up and giving a prayer. Nobody told them there was going to be comedy. Oh, my God. So after the whole room is just like crying, feeling like solemn about uh, how serious this event is, they say, and now we have comedians for you. <laughs> and none of them so wanted us there. And it was one of those things where just the only one of us who had what I would consider a successful set was James because he did not do any material. James Hancock, he got up there and started playing with the DJ and like playing songs and, you know, having fun. Um, I got maybe two laughs in my 10 minutes. And and my favorite part, though, is that they had Ty go up last. <laughs> and Ty gets up there and he's like, he right after James. And the first thing he says is, I'm not going to dance. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody in the room laughs really. They're, just, they're feeling uncomfortable. They they were done with... Like, it wasn't Ty's fault. They were like, we're, we're good on comedy. You know? Not <laughs> he, to mention... He should have danced. In a domestic <laughs> abuse uh, 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 book signing, um, four men... Like, <laughs> four men who don't speak the mother tongue of the, of the woman who wrote the book. And she was such a sweet woman. But I'll never forget, uh, halfway through Ty's set, Bilal just leans over to me and goes... Is Ty's face usually that red? <laughs> <laughs> uh man. Yeah, it was dude, those guys are great. And yeah, it was such a fun guys. fun story to have. Um but yeah. Um let's go ahead and uh, end on that note because we're right about an hour. All right. And I, I try to keep this right around an hour. But uh plug any stuff that you want to plug for the three people that no, yeah, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, sorry, man. No, sorry, sweet Dougie. boy. Doug, when you move your hands too much, Dougie thinks that you want him over here. No. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything to plug right now. I mean, I'm doing the uh, Throne of Jokes uh, finals oh, yeah. next Wednesday, the 20th, and then um, the San Diego Comedy League finals, the 27th. So if anybody wants to... Both finals. Wow. Yeah, I, 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 I've been fortunate, man. I've, I've had a couple of uh, good nights in a row, and yeah. um, I'm going to go up there and just keep keep trying. And yeah. they, I mean, some of the guys in the... Fi- Ruby Montilla is so funny. Oh, um, yeah, Ruby is yeah. really funny. And yeah. I had never met Dee Dee Steps, but she's so funny. Oh, um, I keep seeing her face everywhere, but I haven't seen her before. Yeah, yet. she's really yeah. good. She's um, really good. If you made it to the end, Dee Dee, I'm shouting you out. <laughs> <laughs> Well, <laughs> we'll just tag her in it. <laughs> <laughs> your your name is mentioned somewhere in the podcast, but you have to listen to and, the whole thing to find and it. And now my dog is sitting on your lap and watch your equipment because he's about to nug it down. Oh, it's fine. It's oh, fine, sweet man. boy. Okay, he's, buddy. He's a okay. good boy. Hey, get off the couch. All right. Well, let's uh, let's just end it. Uh, thank you for being on my podcast. Yeah, man. It was fun. And I love you. Bye. I love you, too. And that's it. That's the episode. Um, I loved it. I love Louie as a friend. Um, 
he's he's become a very close friend like i said at the beginning of the podcast and uh i just think he's a really great dude and i think he's a very very funny comedian so you should definitely follow him on social media uh go check him out if you see him on a show um he's uh he's he reaches a, a wide range of people he doesn't do just gross dick and abortion jokes like your boy here he actually uh he he's a comedian for everybody so go check him out uh and then also if you follow him you'll see pictures of dougie and that's actually the real reason why you should follow him disregard all that other stuff i said follow him so that you can see dougie because dougie is dope um per usual um thank you so much for listening to the podcast if you'd like to be on the podcast or you have any uh suggestions um uh segment ideas uh questions that you think would be interesting uh to be answered or talked about on the podcast go and send them to me either through my social media or go to dustytunnel.com and uh you can reach me through the contact link there and you guys are fantastic Thank you so much. Love you. Bye.